Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. You're on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White, Bert Deister, and uh, among other things, we can say Happy National Homebrew Day tomorrow. Tomorrow. But we're celebrating today. You got it. So happy happy uh, National Homebrew Day. Yeah. It's kind of hard with this weather, but good day to brew inside. Sometimes it's nice when it's miserable out because I don't feel any pressure to go outside. I, yeah. You know, and I can hunker down. and it, You can feel a little pressure to get a couple more loggers out before we yeah. get to summer. You're going to have this nice cold weather, cold, maybe wet basements. Yeah. Um, you know, float a fermenter down there. And get a lager going. Yeah, why not? Get after it. So what's going on today uh, at uh, Niagara Traditions? Of so course. we have our, our morning uh, beginning brewing class. That's for entry-level brewers, and we have a couple of tickets still available for that, although I think at the we noticed that the kind of weekend weather report came out, we got more and more people signing up for the class. Um, and we also have an all-grain brewing demo in tasting at 1.30, and we'll be doing the brewing demo with the Grainfather brewing system. So that will be interesting to check out for anybody who wants to see Grainfather. It's an all-in-one brewing system. It's a little pricey, um, but it comes with all the kind of conveniences and abilities to kind of control mash uh, that you get in a much more expensive system. So something interesting to check out for the beginning brewing class you said tickets are still available there's still some spots you got it okay and of course today is the last day that you can capitalize on our 10 percent off all ingredients and a lot of people have been doing that all week and we appreciate uh, all of you that put in grain grinding orders early um, and said they'll be in to pick it up during the tasting on Saturday. Thank you for that. We appreciate mm-hmm. that big time. Your grain will be crushed ready. You can pull it out into your car and then come back in for the tasting when you get there. Before we move on, so the beginner brewing class, for someone that's thinking about coming, what exactly will you have as part of the beginner class? Well, we're going to take you through kind of the reasons why to home brew and what you need to really focus on when you first start. Um, it's not going to be one of those, uh, a lot of times you see beginning brewing class and they're on like a three and a half thousand dollar Blickman system and they're doing all grain. It's not really realistic for what you're going to do. We're actually going to use, we have an induction stove. So we, we ignore the big fancy system behind us and we use an induction stove and a small three gallon home stock pot and home utensils to take you through basic brewing. Um, and we actually, you know do this ourselves uh, and we fully believe that you don't necessarily by getting fancier equipment by doing all grain you don't necessarily get a higher quality product and if you really pay attention to the basics uh, starting out you'll make great beer you'll save a lot of money and if you want to invest in gadgets and toys later on make that decision you okay. know, on its own but the beginning brewing class is really designed to take you through the first starts of brew day fermentation and bottling uh, and the kind of options there uh, that you would have just with the beginning startup kit and of course you're going to have tastings today as well you got it 130 130 three different beers the party guile the brown porter three different beers yeah We'll have a brown porter from the Party Guile, barley wine, still chugging away. We'll have a uh, New England-style IPA, a Belgian wet okay. as well. And there's always going to be some other ones, too. I, you know, like, I think I'm going to bring in a growler of the uh, Kolsch I have at home and talk to some other people. And We also have a lemonade shanty. We'll get to that a little bit later. We have one of those for you to try if you dare. All right. Very good. Now, 
on some of the uh, hop options that are out there for right about now, the Eldorado Hop Hash remains in stock. It remains in stock and it's been popular. So does Galaxy. We still have our limit of two ounces per customer. We've gotten low on the stock, but we've always been able to get a little bit more trickling in. Um, so we still have Galaxy, still limit set two per customer. But we have a lot of new or new-ish hops that are looking like they're going to be popular, or at least some of them we know will be really popular by the end of the summer. And they all kind of fit into that tropical uh, fruit category of hops that you kind of see as a popular buzzword in all your IPAs this year. Has there been an uptick in the number of tropical hops? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. And especially if you look at new hops, which ones take off, those are the ones that you know, have been. So we look at like the Eldorado, Green Bullet, um, Comet, like Wakatu. Uh, those are some. Lemon Drop, they've been around for a while that have, you know, some definitely tropical fruit flavors. New to this year, we have like Idaho 7, Kohatu, um, Watahi, uh, and then there's a new one, Experimental 07270. I really wish they would give these things names. Um, we also have some of that. So if you're interested in some of the new hops of season, we have those plus a bunch more, and plus some of the ones that were still, you know, popular last year. We still keep around. Uh, we always have them in, in ounces, not always in pounds. Um, but some of these, like the Idaho 7, I could see being really popular this year. Some really great aromas coming off that one. Uh, the Comet, some of the other ones I haven't had a chance to open up and play around with, but uh, maybe we will today. All right. Well, uh, so what's what's on the docket for today? We've got some things. You mentioned Lemonade Shandy. You want to get to that a little bit later. Yeah. But before that. I'm not super excited about. But what not- I am super excited about <laughs> is the new Diamond Lager from Danstar. So new yeast. Yes. Uh, Danstar has been one of kind of the, uh, we'll say, staples of homebrewers for more than 25 years. Um, they have produced some of the most reliable workhorse yeast out there, and they have a very limited stock. And they also have a very limited stock of what gets mass distributed in the United States. Um, so we don't get all the varieties that they're producing always in Europe. Uh, and in new variety or while well, new to mass distribution in the United States is coming out now and so you'll see a lot of places carrying it including us and that's the diamond lager so to kind of bring you up to date you know um, if you think of Dan Star log line you think of Windsor and Nottingham two kind of workhorse English ales especially the Nottingham uh, is used everything from pseudo lagers to super imperial IPAs to barley wines to bitters uh, you can really just amount make any ale style of beer, cheat on some lagers with this yeast. And the temperature range, while it's only listed from, I think, about 60 to 68, you talk to any home brewer and they say they've produced wonderful beers anywhere from 50 degrees to 75 with this yeast. It just keeps chugging along. It has a very... Uh, low flocculation rate and it stays in suspension very long so if you have temperature changes or kind of bad conditions for the yeast they stick around they do the work um, they also have bell saison which is one that they added a couple of years ago that really has taken off in popularity and brewers love to take this saison yeast to produce like you know six seven eight percent beers in three to five days kettle to keg oh. um, and so every yeast that they've ever produces is, is really um it's on steroids yeah, it's it, like you got super it, powered you got it. and so now all of a sudden they're coming out with the german lager yeast so there's a lot of high expectation um they say this strain i'm pulling this off from their website which also when i was on their website they listed nottingham is a high performance yeast 
in its own category. All right. On their website. But they the new Diamond Lager is going to be a true lager strain originating from Germany, chosen for its robust character, uh, delivers excellent fermentation performance, has the ability to produce clean and authentic lagers. Um, and then you look at the conditions, and they say anywhere from 50 to 60 degrees is optimum. Now, if we know Danstar, that's their optimum range. It means usually you can push it probably 5 to 10 degrees on either side of that value. But here's the really impressive thing that they list and that I'm kind of excited about on their website. Uh, and I've been looking at this yeast for a while, trying to figure out what would be a way that we could get in reliably fresh sackets through a main distributor or ordering some, you know, out of the UK. Vigorous fermentation that can be completed with high attenuation, flocculation, neutral aromas, and typical of traditional lager flavors in five days. So anybody who's afraid of, you know, brewing a lager because of, you know, temperature requirements. I know we've kind of pushed you in the show enough to say don't be afraid to brew a lager. There's a lot of forgiving yeast um, out there. But I would be willing to bet that this is going to be the most forgiving lager yeast on the market. Wow. And I haven't used it yet. I'm really excited. I got a packet at home. Um, the first chance I get with a free fermenter, um, I'm going to get something in there with this diamond lager yeast. And I know a lot of home brewers who've come in, we have it up at the counter, um, and have just grabbed it thinking the same. Would you ever, it's, it's, you know, a lot of times when you're trying to match someone with a recipe, you'll just give them a yeast that you think performs well, not necessarily in the family that it would be always chosen for. Yeah, and, and that's, there's, a, I think, a big reason homebrew shops do that. There's a big reason breweries do that, and that's because if you don't have the right yeast for the beer, but you ferment it well, you're probably going to be better off than having the exact traditional yeast and screwing up the whole fermentation. So if you try to use that bohemian, you know, like Czech yeast, and, and you, you miss your ramping up uh, coming up from like the 50s at high croissant, and all of a sudden it crashes out, and you're only at 60% attenuation, you really struggle to get it back in, it's going to be estuary, it's going to be oxidized, you're going to lose those fine malt aromas, and hopefully not ruin the beer. Where you do it with a more neutral lager yeast that's more forgiving like this, and oh, I don't have as much as that sulfuring nose as I wanted. Much more safe bet there. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I think that, like, you know, homebrew shops are always going to point you towards these workhorse yeast. Um, I think it's why experienced brewers love them, is they know they can push them and, and kind of push, you know, ester profiles. Like, you know, Nottingham is a good example of this. You know, push it to really get what they want and know it's not going to kind of fall out on them. Yeah. So... We're excited about this yeast. Vigorous fermentation with neutral flavor and aroma in five days. So and we'll see how it goes. This isn't for a limited time either. You no, no. This is going to be a regular stocker. Hopefully um, it takes off and is popular because I would love to have it around. Um, but, yeah, if it lives up to expectation, it, it should be a pretty, you know, common yeast and just about every homebrew recipe you see for a while. And for a ideal temperature between 50 and 59, it's like the perfect week to do this. You got it. So Because I don't know if the temperature's getting above 59 anytime. No, and, and around here, to be quite honest, our basements don't get, you know, if you have a cold corner where you can bury a fermenter up against the, you know, the concrete and put a towel over it, even in the heat of the summer, you're going to be able to pull off under 60 degrees if you yeah. have a basement. Very so. good. 
All right, well, let's get to a break and talk about the thing that you're not as excited to talk about, which are uh, lemonade shandies. You, you, you've written down justifying them? Yes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to justify them. It, it's the disdain of a lot of kind of homebrewers when somebody finds out you homebrew and the first thing you say, hey, can you make me a shanty? Yeah. And so we'll get into a little bit of that later. All right, justifying shandies when we get back. Not just lemonade. I'm going to have to ask you about all of them. There's the watermelon. There's the grapefruit. Oh, yeah. There's everywhere. All right, so Shandy's on the way as we uh, prepare for warmer weather eventually. I mean, it's May, and it's uh, going to snow tomorrow maybe, but eventually at some point you'd think it would get nice up. Uh, Niagara Traditions Just Brew continues next here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means... Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply, 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White and Bert Dicer. Before we get to uh, Shandy's, I know you wanted to mention hop rhizomes. Uh, and all the different varieties that you still have in that it's mm-hmm. not, obviously it's not too late. Yeah, and a lot of people are asking, oh, what do I need to do? We're getting a late snow with the hop rhizomes. The answer is nothing. Looking at the, you know, the weather profile while all of my tomatoes are still inside and I will be keeping them inside for another week or two until I really trust the weather. Um, the hop rhizomes are outside. Uh, they've been growing fine over the past couple of days. I've noticed at home and at the shop through these 40 degrees drizzly days. And they've, they put on almost a foot at work. Um, so don't worry about the hops. Don't worry about everything else in the garden. Don't worry about the hops. And if you're thinking about planting hops, obviously with this late snow, it shows you there's still time. We're still pretty early in the spring. If you want to get hops in the ground, we got all of our varieties still available. And so you can see those online at niagaratrition.com, or you can just walk in and buy, um, you know, anyone you're looking for. Gotcha. So but we will start to run out of variety soon. So if there's a particular, you know, Comet, Columbus, Mount Hood have seemed to be really popular ones this year. It's Sterling, surprisingly. Really? Um, and... So if you are interested in one of those, you might want to get in sooner rather than later. All right. So get to Niagara Tradition. Today's a good day to do it. You can... Uh Save on a lot of stuff. Last day of the sale for mm-hmm. uh, National Homebrew Day, which is tomorrow, but the celebration is today. So you can you go and uh, and save money. And if you money. can't make it in, you can always place in an online order um, by the end of the day today, and you'll still get the 10% off. All right. So let's justify some shandies here. Okay. So these are really becoming increasingly popular and have been over the past couple summers. And a lot of homebrewers really get mad when somebody ask them. Normally when we see a home brewer come into the shop, they come in with maybe a couple of recipes on this new IPA they want to try with a bunch of notes. When they come in and somebody's asked them to make a shanty, they say, somebody asked me to make a shanty. What do I need? Right. And there's not much excitement a little bit. And so hopefully I'm going to try to breed a little bit of excitement. And first let's kind of get into the, the history. So the shanty, that term, comes from an English lunch beverage, which is typically an English bitter, which is then mixed by the bartender with a lemon-lime soda or a ginger ale um, at the table. 
and it's as simple as that. So traditionally, that's what it is. And I think really what we've done here in the U.S. is kind of mixed traditions. So in Germany, because of Rheinheinskabel, because of the purity laws that you can only use malt, hops, yeast, and water, the bartenders have gotten a little more creative. Um, and so they'll mix beer with tons of fresh fruit, um, spices, teas. You also see sodas, including Red Bull, being very popular, mixed with their beer wow. at the bar. Uh, right in front of you before they give you the glass. Um, and so we've kind of mixed that up here in the U.S. So we're taking a light non-wheat beer usually, and then we're putting in tons of uh, fruit. Sometimes it's hard to determine what makes a shanty different than a fruit beer. I think if you kind of look across brands, it has to have some citrus in it. Um, and so if you're trying to make one at home, you actually have lots of options. And we'll have a shanty in today to try at the store um, that's going to be actually from one of those easy pickup options, which is a liquid uh, extract kit from Brewer's Best that we have um, that you just take, bring home, rehydrate in water, and start fermenting. Okay. So if you're really just trying to make one, you, you want to do this on brew day just while your water's heating up, all you need to do is sanitize a bucket, put in some cold water, bring it to temperature, pitch yeast, close the fermenter, done. So you can do that before you're done steeping grains if you're an extract brewer and you have a whole batch of shanty to keep somebody, you know, in the household happy for the summer. But you also have, if you want to brew it, a little more traditional style, and we'll say there's, you know, some variables to this, um, you have some options. And the first method, probably the easiest, is to brew your choice of light beer and then right before bottling, add sugar-free lemonade mix to taste. Now, this is something you don't have to do with the whole batch. So you could make a traditional like light pale ale and then you could bottle off a full case of it and then you could add your sugar-free lemon-lime mix to the rest of the bottling bucket and make a nice case of lemon-lime. When you candy. say when you say add to taste, how are you going to know what's right? Are you going to put the mix in the bucket like the, you're going to basically mix, mix it with the batch, not with each individual bottle. You got it. Mix okay. it with the something you got to do with an entire batch prime. So if you traditionally bottle with carbonation tablets right out of a car buoy, I'm sorry, you're going to have to sanitize a bucket or another car buoy or something to mix it in. Mm -hmm. But you're simply yeah, going to add it, taste it, and try to mix gently so you don't cause much aeration. Um, I usually do prefer to try to pasteurize it somehow. So I'll usually make up enough for, say, a gallon of lemonade. I'll make that into a simple syrup solution, pasteurize it in the microwave, uh, let it cool down, add it to taste, and then rehydrate the rest into regular lemonade. Okay. Um, second method you can do is you can try making a very sweet beer, usually trying to stick with a lot of light malt. So you're going to use like maybe a Pilsner malt, uh, mash fairly warm with a little bit of American Dextrin or German Carafoam malt in there. And then you're going to add citra peels both to the end of the boil and to the secondary fermentation as well as whatever fruit you also might want to add. Um, the struggle with that beer there is always trying to keep some residual sugar because uh, the fruit is going to add simple sugars. So it's actually going to help the yeast ferment through more of the sugars derived from the malt. 
um, and you end up with a lower finishing gravity. So you might need to still back sweeten with a little bit of zero calorie sugar. And the reason why we talk, keep talking about zero calorie sugars here is because they're zero calories for the yeast. They're not really sugar. They're not really glucose based. They're not going to break down into something and cause bottle bombs later down the road. Now this all gets a lot easier if you have a kegging system. Because if you have a kegging system, you don't require yeast to naturally carbonate the beer. So you can add sorbate, vitamin K, which will inhibit more fermentation, and then you can back sweeten it, back flavor it with whatever you want. So you could take a keg of beer, add sorbate, and be good adding frozen concentrates to it, you know, liquid concentrates, fresh fruit uh, into the keg, into the secondary, and it won't ferment any of those sugars. You'll get all those fresh fruit flavors, but you have to count on then being able to artificially carbonate it. Mm-hmm. But that makes it really easy. And then the fourth method is to brew an English bitter and then just mix it at the table. Like they do. And, and, and I think, do you want to know what, that's the most fun. Most fun is if it's the middle of summer, you have guests over and somebody's asking for a fruit beer to go inside and pull out like two blood oranges, a little bit of, you know, if you got leftover fruit cocktail, sure, put it out on a nice like plate uh, and let your guests kind of mix their own fruit into the beer or lemon lime soda. And I think kind of when you do that, it actually makes it a little bit more fun. But if you're looking for that convenience of just, oh, pop the top, don't have to dirty the knife, don't have to make sure I have, you know, fresh lemons and limes and oranges around the house, um, you gave you some options there. Yeah. And brewing the English better, I mean, that's a fairly simple beer to brew. So, you know, if you want to make a shandy and do it that way, or you're going to mix it at the table. Also, you'll have the versatility of having your, old, your own English bitter mm-hmm. in the instance that you want something like that. Yeah. Which is a great beer to rapidly ferment uh, in all sorts of temperatures uh, and really um, produce a quick, clean beer. I would suggest Nottingham. Okay. But, yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a great a great style to kind of play around with. It's very neutral, uh, lower alcohol, and kind of has a nice, subtly sweet malt background. So if you're trying to add you know, lemon lime or ginger or something like that to it has, but you can go on to American pale ale, blonde ales as well. Um, you really see a lot of different beers labeled as a shanty nowadays. Yeah. And all these processes would be exactly the same, whether it's lemonade shandy or any other type of shandy, cause you're talking about uh, fresh fruit. So yeah. So fresh fruit. Yeah. Anywhere where you want to do watermelon, cantaloupe. Absolutely. If you're going to call it a shanty, you probably should have some citrus in there. Right. Right. And time frame on this. I mean, if you're going to make the bitter, it's going to be pretty quick. Yeah. If so, you're going to do the bitter uh, and say you were doing kegging, this is something you could do in a week easily. Um, if you're doing something a little more with the trying to make the sweet beer, balancing it and, you know, with citrus peel and then, you know, possibly back sweetening before bottling, you're going to need a couple of weeks. You want right. to get started on this now. But if you're just looking to do like a quick English bitter, and then add fruit to it during the summer, that's something that you can be doing week to week. Um, And probably why it's one of the, um, I would say, the favorite of uh, beginning home brewers, too, is because I wouldn't like to call it an easy style to make, um, but it is very forgiving, and it has a very quick turnaround. So if you're just starting out home brewing and you want that instant gratification and get a couple beers into the cellar before you tackle something like a you know big IPA or barley wine or Russian Imperial Stout, a bitter's a good beer mm-hmm. to fill the fridge with quick. Now, in your experience, you, you listed four methods to make a shandy. Is any one going to give you a better 
fresher taste? Like, will a shandy keep in a keg really well? It will keep in the keg really well, especially with the sorbet. Um, that would probably be my choice method is to sorbet the beer uh, after a little while on secondary. So let it sit in secondary for about a week and then mix in tons of fresh fruit, kind of like you're making sangria. Right. Um, and then after it's sat in there for a while, you can rack it into a keg. And at that point, you can back sweeten if you've added sorbate with just simple syrup solution. So you can use regular table sugar if you want to to back sweeten the beer. I actually wouldn't suggest using maltose or corn sugar. Um, you get a lot of body and head retention, but you don't get a lot of sweetness. You're looking for sweetness here. Uh, so if you can sorbate it, artificially carbonate it, uh, a little bit of sucrose goes a long way. And back on the first method, you mentioned sugar-free lemonade mix. Is that there such a thing? It, yes, there is. Uh, it's That's easy. Sometimes I've had to buy it in the individual oh, okay. bottle packets. Um, but there are some brands out there that sell, like, you know, pre-mixes for quarts and stuff like that. I would obviously try it before you go and do a whole beer with any mix. So don't just go on bottling day, buy a mix, go to the store, grab a couple of different mixes, try them, see which one's your favorite. Make sure that none of the, because only choose different artificial sugars. Make sure you're not getting any, you know, harsh off flavors from any particular brand. Go with your favorite one and then mix that into taste on brew day. If you make the mistake of a non-sugar-free you will have to get those bottles into the fridge as soon as they carbonate. This is another option that I haven't talked bombs? about because they'll be bottle bombs. Um, and talking to some of our other staff, uh, this is something that uh, a lot of home brewers do, don't really talk about, but they back sweeten beer kind of like you would like if you were making soda pop. So they use a fermentable sugar. They do at least one in a pop bottle. Once the beer is fully carbonated, they then rush all those beers into the fridge, but you have to keep them cold. They will be slowly overcarbonating. If you ever pulled those out and left them out overnight or let them warm in a cooler, they would potentially be bottle bombs very quickly. So yes, you can bottle with non-artificial sweeteners, um, but you're taking your, you know, kind of eyesight in your own hands and you know the bottom of your fridge and. So wear eye protection. You might want to put them into a lined case, um, but you can back sweeten bottled beer with regular sugar. Yeah, it's, it seems like that avenue is for the more advanced brewers. You got it. Okay. More daredevils, too. Right. And you better be ready to get through this beer quick because I have personally done that with different beer projects, and I do notice even in the bottom of the refrigerator, they do slowly continue to overcarbonate over time. Um, so... If you know you're going to be going through one quick, you're going to be able to keep them all in-house, I would go for that. Not the kind of beer you want to give away to somebody uh, without at least a stern yeah. warning. All right. That'll do it for us. Happy National Homebrew Day. Get to Niagara Tradition for the uh, beginner brewing class. Still some spots available for that. Uh, tasting an all-grain demo at one thirty with the Grain Father. That's not like a cool guy that they call the grandfather. It's a device that you really should see if you have not yet, mm -hmm. the grandfather. Uh, beer tastings as well, and the last day of sales. 10% off all ingredients in-store and online. Cool. And if you've had a friend that's been begging you to brew a lemonade chanty, tell them to listen to this show and then to go brew themselves. Beer, 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 beer. 
You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.